Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S's, a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, carnage in the closing hours as the GTP leaders crash. A Cadillac and a BMW managed to avoid the carnage, but they were joined on the podium by an LMP2? Buckle up as I take you through a carnage-filled 12 hours of Sebring. Now, heading into the 71st running of the 12 Hours of Sebring, there were some pretty big questions. How would Meyer Shank Racing perform after their dominant run at the Rolex when it was later revealed that they were manipulating tire pressure data? Could the other GTPs close the gap to Acura? What about GTD? How would the Porsches, BMWs, and Ferraris perform after BOP hampered their efforts at the Rolex? Coming out of Sebring, I think we have most of these questions answered. Starting with GTP, it was a pretty competitive fight right from the drop of the green flag. Throughout the race, all of the manufacturers showed at one point or another that they had enough pace to compete for a podium. And I think we can safely say that with Sebring being the roughest track on the calendar, it was pretty impressive to see minimal reliability issues. The only casualties as a result of reliability were the number 24 BMW had a cooling system issue right around the halfway mark. And the car that led the most laps in class, that's 0-1 Cadillac Racing Cadillac. It retired just shy of the 9-hour mark after it caught on fire. Of course, there were plenty of other casualties in the GTP class though, including those that were involved in the big one. Now, I've already covered that in a recent episode, so I'm not really going to dive too much into that one. But in addition to those casualties, there was of course the number 60 Meyershank Racing Acura that lost a wheel and fell out of competition in the late going. However, they still did manage to finish the race, so it wasn't a full casualty though. There were plenty of other incidents that plagued the class though, such as the number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac that got caught up with an LMP3 that had just spun earlier in the race. And it certainly was a very eventful class to follow, which ultimately led to that number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac, driven by Alexander Sims, Pipo Durrani, and Jack Aitken, taking the overall victory, surviving to join them on the podium. Although they did have their moments where they were quite quick during the race, was the number 25 BMW entry. And rounding out the GTP class podium, but not actually crossing the finish line, was the number six Porsche Penske Motorsports car, of course, after they were involved in the big one. In fact, that number six car had quite a moment earlier in the race when it was reported there was some sort of gas or smoke that was circulating in the cockpit. Nick Tandy had to drive around almost a complete lap with the door open. Now he was able to bring the car back around and they were able to get it all figured out in the pits in relatively short order, but they did lose quite a bit of time to their competitors as a result of this issue. When it came to the GTP class cars, I think we had a lot of questions answered in this race. First of all, is Acura going to dominate this season? Well, I don't necessarily think they're going to dominate. They still look strong, but they didn't look as strong as they were at the Rolex. And despite being, I think, a step behind the Cadillacs at Sebring, they were still very, very strong in this race. And I think with how the field closed up, I think it just is a sign of good things to come for the GTP class, as these cars are going to continue to get closer together as the season rolls on. Another question, keeping with the Acuras, was 
How is Meyer Shank Racing going to bounce back after the heavy penalties and the controversy that they had coming into this race? As I just said, the Acuras looked strong in this race. The Meyer Shank Acura, maybe not quite as strong as Wayne, the Wayne Taylor operation did. Sorry, Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport. But I think if they hadn't lost a wheel in the late going, then they would have been probably in contention, maybe for a podium, but at least a fairly strong finish. And then, of course, there were the BMWs. They had some pretty big questions, I think, surrounding them coming out of the Rolex, but I was really impressed with how they bounced back here at Sebring. They took a really big step forward, and ultimately, they were rewarded for it with the first podium for that car. Some people might argue that it was kind of handed to them as a result of the crash that took out three of the GTP cars, but they really did show strong pace at various times throughout this race, and I think they were deserving of that strong finish. Hopefully we'll be able to see them build on this momentum next time out at Long Beach. It was not quite as chaotic for the LMP2 class in this one. Once again, the LMP2 competitors were talking about it being a little bit difficult to pass some of the other class cars compared to the increased pace that they had in recent years. But really, when I looked at the timing sheets, I don't know, I kind of think this is where we want these LMP2 cars to slot in. Make them any faster, and you're going to be getting into the territory of the GTPs. Make them much slower, and they're really going to be falling back to the pace of some of the LMP3s, and even some of the quick GT cars. Regardless, though, there were still some wild moments in this race especially for the number eight Tower Motorsports car. It saw driver Kiffin Simpson lose control on the exit of turn one, probably got a little bit, put it a little bit too far over the curb, lost the rear end and actually got into the barriers. However, despite this, that car that was driven by John Ferrano, Scott McLaughlin and Kiffin Simpson were able to take class victory in LMP2. It was pretty amazing that they were able to continue after that crash and there was quite a bit of work that had to be done to replace both the nose and tail sections of that car and the crash happened around the seven hour mark so they didn't exactly have a ton of time to rebound from it the crew did a great job of getting the car in race ready shape again they actually don't i don't even think they lost a lap as a result of it and they were able to go out with a very competitive car for the final third of that race the number 11 tds racing entry would come home in second rebounding nicely from their disappointment at the Rolex, and the Aero Motorsports Orica would round out the podium. Now, of note here, with that late race GTP incident, it actually meant that the Tower Motorsports entry was promoted to the overall podium for the 12 Hours of Sebring. This was the first overall podium for an LMP2 car in IMSA since 2012. I think really the LMP2 race is just kind of a classic LMP2 race. You know, we've come to expect these. The racing is going to be close, and it's going to come down to who's in the right place at the right time for that final stint. Pretty much any of these cars have a pretty solid chance to take home a, a really solid finish on any given weekend, and it's going to be a fun championship to watch, I think, as the season goes on. Well, I think my patience is running a little bit thin with the LMP3s. And I know a lot of you have been talking about this and moaning and groaning about it, for a while now but unfortunately there were just a few incidents that took place in this race that we just can't have at this high a level of sports car racing now there was a lap one turn one incident that saw the 33 sean creech motorsport lmp3 hit the inside barriers kind of got thrown back out into the middle of the track there was some debris around actually led to a full course yellow 
but it was a very treacherous turn one for the GT field as they were frantically trying to negotiate around his stricken car. Now, it's kind of hard to say what happened here. Did he just lock up a little bit and, and shot the inside? Was there contact that was made? We don't really know, and I'm not gonna necessarily blame that on the driver, but I think the bigger incident to talk about here is what took place under safety car. Now, in the eighth hour of the race, while getting a wave around, the LMP3 driven by Robert Mao slammed into the back of the number six Porsche Penske Motorsports GTP entry. The front of that LMP3, parts were thrown across the track, rear end pieces from the Porsche scattered everywhere as well, and luckily, both of these cars were able to continue. But really, at the end of the day, we just can't be having these kinds of silly incidents out on track like that. It's a pro-am class, I get it. There are going to be some silly incidents that go on out on track, but this one was just unacceptable. And you combine that with the frequency, and in some cases the severity of some of these incidents was disappointing to see. Now, when it was all said and done, it was the number 74 Riley Ligier, driven by Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Josh Burden, who took the, the LMP3 class win. They took the victory by a full lap over the number 13 AWA Duquesne, with the number 85 JDC Miller Motorsports entry rounding out the podium. I mean, wow, what a difference a race makes for the GTD Pro class. Going from all the BOP discussions at Daytona to the bumps of Sebring, there was a lot of shaking up that happened on this grid. Corvette, though, they appeared to be the strongest car in this race, and I would say the favorite to take the win in class. That was until they had to replace a left rear damper around the nine hour mark that actually caused them to lose a lap. They would battle back very nicely in the late going of this race thanks to the plethora of full course yellows that they had but they just didn't quite have enough time to take a stab at getting on the podium now remember those porsches and all the bop discussions that what they had coming out of the rolex 24 well i think all of those can be laid to rest for now i mean those porsches they came out strong they looked pretty good all race weekend and they ended up walking away with the top step of the podium in the gtd pro class the number nine faf motorsports porsche of klaus bockler Patrick Pile and Lawrence Van Thor took the victory after rebounding from a tough qualifying crash. The number 14 Vassar Sullivan Racing Lexus crossed the line in second, and they were joined on the podium by the number 79 WeatherTech Racing Mercedes. This was one of the classes that I think we were robbed of seeing a better race finish in thanks to those full course yellows at the end. There were some pretty good battles that were building up over the course of this race, and you definitely have to throw a shout out to that FAF crew and whoever doing the strategy over there for being able to pull off an insane hour and 52 minute long final stint. Now, of course, there's a lot of full course yellows that were thrown in there, but that's some pretty incredible fuel saving. It would have been really fun to see though if we just got a little bit more green flag running there at the end, how the battle would have unfolded between the FAF Porsche the Vassar Sullivan Lexus, and I think that Corvette would have been able to take a stab at it as well. Lastly, there is GTD. And well, that BOP discussion I think carries over well here as well, as BMW took the top two spots on the GTD podium. Now it should be noted, they were equally as slow as the Porsches were at January's Rolex 24. And when you sit down and look at it, the top 10 in this class featured four Porsches and two BMWs. I think that shows that some of those much needed BOP adjustments worked. There were some late race penalties and crashes that took out 
the very strong cars of the number 32 team Korthoff Motorsports and number 57 Windward Racing Mercedes. I think this really opened the door for the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, driven by Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, and Corey Lewis, who would go on to take victory. As mentioned, it was a BMW 1-2. They were joined on the podium by the number 96 Turner Motorsports BMW, and the podium was rounded off by the number 92 Kelly Moss with Riley Porsche. Coming out of this race, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought the quality of the racing and the battles were pretty, they were fine, but I really thought that the driving standards in this one were not really of the quality that we would expect in one of the top sports car racing championships in the world. And I hate to apply this sort of blanket statement to a class, but frankly, the LMP3s were a hazard out on track in this one. Now I know that it might just be a couple of drivers that are leaving me with this feeling, but it's hard to ignore some of those LMP3 incidents and how they impacted how this race played out. And to add on to that, we're also entering a, a period where there are real discussions on what the LMP3 future is in the WeatherTech Championship. I'm actually gonna have an episode coming out shortly on that, so make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss out on that one. There were also just a lot of incidents out on track that could have been avoided had the drivers just showed a little bit more respect for one another. GTPs were smashing into the GTs all race long. There were GT on GT battles. Really throughout all the classes, I think, there was a there was a little bit of a sense that the drivers might have been lacking some respect for one another. And what I'm talking about was also echoed by some drivers post-race in some social media posts. Overall, this rough and tough driving really just led to a lot of damage and ultimately a lot of debris that were unnecessary. And really, this led to some more full-course yellows, which is a whole other discussion to have for another time. I think there's a fine line between hard racing and overly aggressive racing, and historically, we've seen some really good hard racing in this championship. But in this race, I think it just crossed the line a little bit too much. Lots of over-aggressive moves, not a ton of respect being shown out there, and hopefully this can get cleaned up for the next race at Long Beach. Otherwise, oof, I don't even want to know about what kind of show that's going to be. Overall, though, I was enjoying the race up until the carnage of the last hour and a half. There was good racing, or some good storylines to follow. But what did you think? Did you think the racing was great? Did you think they were a little over-aggressive? You can let me know over on Twitter, at OffInTheSs. That's going to wrap this one up, though. We will be back shortly for the preview of the Long Beach Grand Prix. But until then, you can follow along with the show on Twitter, at OffInTheSs, or check us out on YouTube for the video version of this show. Big thank you as well to all of our Patreon supporters. If you too want to support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash OffInTheSs. Until the next one, a big thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend. It doesn't go off in the S's.